Translations can be frequently neglected, however, the bet is not. Let's talk about the theme and point behind the bet today. I want to see how many puns we could make with this today. I'd bet a lot. <laughs> Welcome to the Codex Cantina, yeah. where I am Una. And I bet you thought I had a clever name, Crypto. <laughs> <laughs> if you are new to the Codex Cantina, we go heavy into detail in the stories that we read. Today, we are doing The Bet by Anton Chekhov. If you are down for literature discussions and talking about the themes and interpretations, please consider hitting that subscribe button. And as always, we start off with publication information. The Bet was published on January 14th, 1889, and it is important to note that this was originally having three pieces, and it was edited, and they chopped the third piece off of the original text, and it has been lost to time. Now you can read this story for free. We will put a link to the description box below as well as the translators for our version of the story. So for plot, a banker recalls a bet he had made 15 years earlier. And we flash back to a party where everyone's discussing the very exciting party topic of capital punishment. <laughs> what? Where do they get this stuff from? So the banker views capital punishment as humane to limit the amount of suffering a person endures. However, a young lawyer insists he would choose a life in prison over death. Great party and topic. 19th century Russia must have been popping. <laughs> Here's where they make the bet. If the lawyer could spend five upgraded to 15 years in social isolation in a room constructed in the banker's property, the banker would pay him two million rubles. Two million something is a lot. Initially confident and easily backed by his own wealth, the banker began to question even his own decisions. Confined to the garden room on the banker's property, the lawyer initially suffered from loneliness and depression. The lawyer begins to read and study in a wide range of subjects, which help him through the years. Though his body is withering away and he starts to appear as an old and decrepit man. As the final day of the 15 years in isolation approaches, the banker faces bankruptcy due to the stock market and poor life decisions. If he pays the bet off, he will be destroyed financially. He resolves to kill the lawyer hours before his release to absolve him of having to pay his debt. When the banker sneaks in on the sleeping lawyer, he finds a note written by the lawyer revealing that he has found life and wealth pointless. Instead, he demands divine salvation as key to life and the lawyer plans to escape hours before his release to dissolve their agreement and not demand payment. The banker is surprised, kisses the lawyer on the head, and returns to bed. The next morning, the lawyer escaped out the window, forfeiting the bet, and the banker locks the note up in a safe. End plot. Man, there's so much in this story. There's so many things we could talk about. So first, we have to talk in our analysis, why no names? Yeah, I think that Chekhov here is trying to keep it ambiguous to have the plot and the story be more the focal point than the characters kind of steal from the thunder of the story. It's easier as a reader to picture yourself in that person's shoes and also, arguably, instead of it being about a person, it can be about people. But even though you're talking about banker, are you talking about bankers? 
Are you talking about a certain philosophy, such as I'm pro-capital <laughs> punishment or against capital punishment, right? And I think that's a, a common technique that we see in a lot of Russian writing. The no names and just giving them a profession is a really smart move here. And maybe even uh, if he were to edit this, he might even take out the professions as well and just give them more of even generic terms to take that facade away of giving these negative connotations to whatever side you subscribe to, maybe, I guess. Well, what leads to the bet? Is it really just a death penalty versus life in prison conversation here? No, I don't think so. I think that there's a lot more going on than just that as we see this very rich story unfold. Well, we have this quote, they talked among other things of capital punishment. The guests among them, not a few scholars and journalists, for the most part disapproved of capital punishment. They found it obsolete as a means of punishment, unfitted to a Christian state and immoral. Some of them thought that capital punishment should be replaced universally by life imprisonment. So Russia, circa 1889, is not an atheistic state. Yeah, so at this point in time, Russia is a Christian Orthodox-based society. Not everybody, obviously, but that is the major religion most people are going to subscribe to, and most people of that faith will not believe in killing other people, and this is going to be a major uh, belief that will, will be conveyed to the people that we should treasure life. Now, one of the things I notice is a lot of teachers like to do vocabulary when they cover these stories. And in this quote here, I have not tried either the death penalty or imprisonment for life. But if one may judge a priori, the death penalty is more moral and more humane than imprisonment for life. Capital punishment kills a man at once, but lifelong imprisonment kills him slowly. Which executioner is the more humane? He who kills you in a few moments? or he who drags the life out of you in the course of many years. And a lot of teachers will talk about a priori as a, what's this word mean? A priori is where you theorize before a decision is made. And what's interesting is this kind of is very meta for the story, right? Because this whole idea of the bet of predicting what's better in terms of capital punishment these are young men that have not experienced much of life. They are guessing what is most important for life before they've even done it. A priori is almost kind of a little mini theme of what this story is all about. No, I agree because on the one end, the guy is right that if you have a whole bunch of tragic things happen in your life, family members die, your dog dies, you lose all your wealth, you're homeless. If you'd been killed very young, you wouldn't have suffered all of those things in life. But if you had potentially had a really good life and then all that's taken away and you're thrown in a cell, then yes, you're also being killed very slowly over time. So both are true, but both are not true also. The people at this party are arguing that they're not God. They don't have the right to take life away. Instead, what they want to do is almost separate this person from harming society, putting him in jail, giving him a chance to suffer and repent. The idea of reform is probably the counter-argument as opposed to cost of keeping the person alive in jail, too. Yeah, and we have a quote from the story that I think is really good for this. It says, Both are equally immoral, observed of one of the guests, for they both have the same object, to take away life. The state is not God. It has not the right to take away what it cannot restore when it wants to. And I think that encapsulates perfectly what you're talking about. All right, so this leads to the bet. What is the bet? It starts out at five years to pay two million rubles. 
no give me 15 years it's like the guy's arguing in the wrong direction like no no no, bro you're supposed to be like three years this is not how arguing works <laughs> or or negotiating like if this guy went and bought a car the guy'd be like all right salesman it's, it's twenty thousand. i'll give you 25 <laughs> i think what this is doing though this is adding to the fable element of the story it's making it more absurd it's making it more it's emphasizing the point that these men are putting bravado on the line rather than logic at this point. Yeah, and I think that a lot of this comes out of the idea of you brought up before of that this is a young man and that he has not lived life. And this young man makes maybe more of a, a rash decision. A young man doesn't know what he's getting himself into, perhaps. We have a quote from Mahatma Gandhi, actually, I wrote down. The world provides enough to satisfy every man's need but not every man's greed. And here you have a man betting millions <laughs> against another man's life to spend decades, you know, 15 years, imprisonment. And what happens at the end? You'll notice that at this point, the banker starts to even second guess what happens at the end of this. We will not convince anyone what's correct when it comes to capital punishment. All we'll have done is thrown away millions and wasted 15 years of life. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. I think about it, though, financially, who's getting the better end of this deal? And that's the young man. I know that I've given up 15 years teaching and I don't have $2 million to show for it. Well, I think that might say something more about us as readers, because I don't know if I would agree with giving up 15 years of life, even for 15 million. I mean, I know it's rubles here, but, you know, like two, two I'm sorry, 2 million. Uh, let's say it were $2 million in today present. I don't know if I would give up 15 years of my my youth you know what did they say he was 22 25 young 20s he's 25 yeah he'll be 40 when he gets out or i don't remember the guy was like he goes he's still gonna be a young man when he gets out and he goes i want to be destitute well and his destitute is also based on the fact that he's going to be out of money right if if we look at what these characters learn well first of all they go he goes to jail right his his self-imposed jail spends 15 years in isolation and it's almost like we get a little montage of of the of the session here, right? Oh, yeah. This would be great if it was like an episode or a movie or something like this, because you would see it like in slow-mo or it would show him laying on the bed and then it would show him sitting at the desk and then it would show him gazing out the window and it would all be like kind of, I don't know, this surreal and be the sunset and then it'd be kind of gloomy and you'd see the seasons change. It, it would be pretty hilarious. Well, see, for me, I actually took a lot from this. Because what I did is this montage to me was like, it was Chekhov's way of jamming in an entire person's life into like a few paragraphs. Like it's almost like this montage represented everything that he was missing out on. Because the first few years, like the first year they talked about how he suffered loneliness and boredom. And he went to wine, excitement, genre fiction specifically. These are all things about the self. It's the aesthete, the person that's just living for pleasure or or headness you know who only wants to do things that are for themselves and the second year he moves on to classic literature which some people will talk about that's sometimes stuff that injects itself into societal conversation so leaving the self and now talking about society standards right and then he goes what we're doing the, right now very meta <laughs> and then yeah we're only at the second level right we haven't reached this next yeah. level of wine and angry with notebooks but <laughs> but he's no, i don't ever want that i don't want that level ever Right, but he starts to study languages in his sixth year. And that's when he's starting to seek validation from others, right? He's like, I, I just, if I wrote these correctly in these six foreign languages, I need a gun fired off just so I know 
that I did it correct. And this is him logging to interact with other people because you remember he's he's in social isolation too, right? Yeah. And then the tenth year, he becomes immobile and spends his entire time reading the New Testament, right? He's diving into now the eternal life. So he started out selfish, started going into society, looking for validation from society, and now he's looking towards that eternal life as well, only to come back to the pretentious last two years of his life where he studies Shakespeare, chemistry, and philosophy. Like, <laughs> it's almost the, you've gone a full circle here, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very evolutionary cycle here in a sense. But I took these as kind of just smashing a person's life of what I think Chekhov would argue is maybe the stages of, of evolving, I guess, in a sense, into these scenes in the, in, the, in the jail montage. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how he changes what he values or what each thing in itself will evolve into something else. What if uh, he had started somewhere? Would he have ended someplace different? It really does speak to so many levels of this story of not only the bed of capital punishment versus life imprisonment, but... If you make different choices at different times in your life, would you have a different outcome or will you always make it to the exact same spot? Now, the banker at the meantime, he's got the opposite direction, right? He's got the questions like saying things like, why didn't he die? You know, and he was trembling at shifts in the stock market. The banker was focused on external things like the stock market and his wealth and stuff like that. Why didn't that guy die? But you'll notice what the lawyer was doing was focusing on internal things. He was studying, learning, becoming more intelligent. He didn't experience the things externally the way the banker could have, but basically threw away his time. But at the same time, he became more intelligent. And at the same time, he became more destitute, I guess is one way to put it. Yeah, I got something here for you, though. Think about this. In the beginning, the banker is free and the lawyer is locked up. But as it goes through the journey for both, who's really imprisoned by money and who has been free even though he's caged? Yeah, I, th I think you have. <laughs> so you knowledge have... is freeing. Knowledge is freeing. It's just it's crazy how good this story is. It reminds me of that quote from the of the coming of John where the little girl asked the man. She says, you know, all educated men seem just to become sad. Is it true that education leads you to awareness that it leads you to sadness? He's like, yeah. And she's like, do you regret it? He says, no. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. But at the same time, the lawyer started out unaware, but happy. Right? Mm -hmm. And when, at the end of the story, he became aware, but now he's unhappy. But I, I think he would make the same choices again, right? Because it's better to have loved than lost and never loved at all. I think he would choose his life differently because I think he now realizes what he could have done with his life living vicariously through other means. Why would he be so sad after 15 years of being locked up and how he talks about how he's learned, how he's lived? Why would he be sad about that? And I think he's he's almost kind of moving towards this, I don't want to say nihilistic, though nihilism was was very popular earlier part 19th century Russia, right? But I would say that he's almost making a little bit of a, 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 a what's the point of it argument here. Yeah. As a young person, that's probably as, you know, at 25 starting and then moving to be a 40-year-old, I could definitely see him having that regretful view of the choice that he made. Now, here's another argument that you could be making with this piece. Would you say that the lawyer went, I'm not saying I felt this way, but I know some people will. Would you say he went on a Christ-like journey in terms of suffering for the sins of others, if you will, giving up all of his possessions, dedicating his life to 
you know, the, the Bible by the end of the story. I think I think you can make a good comparison of that. I don't think it's perfectly spot on because there is the overlooking of money. That's definitely a factor because even the lawyer himself is saying, I, I got to the money isn't important to me now, but obviously if it is important now, then it was important in the very beginning. He was trying to prove his point, I think, you know, in this kind of, you know, bravado-ness of it. But obviously, hey, I'm going to get two million bucks. That is substantial to him. So there is that piece to kind of contend with on this Christ-like journey. And also at the very end, it's almost like he goes full circle and then starts anew and goes past that religious existentialism so I don't think it's a perfect analogy, but I think it's really good. One more thing that I noticed, too, was with the banker. He started out willing, betting money against life. You know, he's saying, you will value life more than money. I would bet, I, I would bet two million on it, right? But you'll notice by the end, when he's going to lose money because of this bet and be completely bankrupt, then he's willing to instead take life instead of money. He would rather kill this man than pay the money for it, right? Yeah, and the whole thing was about killing is better, and now killing is actually worse because he's trying to pull one over on him. It's just mind-blown. <laughs> it, it, it's a complete flip where both of these men, I would argue, learned something from this deal, where the lawyer learned the value of life. I feel like, like, or, or the, the or the cost of that life in the sense of, is there a cost for this life? Can you put a number on 15 years of youth? And the banker, originally thinking that money was no big deal, thinking that life was important, flips at the end when he starts to potentially lose those millions and have to pay and lose his fortune. He instead decides to take life. Yeah, you have to live life in order to learn. So you talked earlier about how the third part was just chopped, right? We got part one. We got part two. We have no idea what was ever in Chekhov's mind for part three. Is there, is there any way that you could have made this a win-win situation for both men? Or, or were these men both always destined to lose? I think it could be a win-win. I don't think he would have written it that way. And I think that's part of that. Sometimes we have to suffer in order to learn. Arguably, too, that brings you back to if someone was pushing for the Christ-like journey and the suffering, I think you can make that argument there as well. Yeah, so that the lawyer is the person that is being crucified symbolically here in order to forgive the sins of the banker. Yeah. Yeah. Sins if that's in part three, then boof. Yeah, <laughs> we, we need to find that part three. <laughs> Somebody has that in a personal collection or is in an old journal sitting in a, a drawer somewhere in Russia worth millions. Well, all right, guys, we're going to have a playlist down below for other checkoff stories. If you want to check those out, please feel free to help us out by leaving a little emoji if you're not sure what to write but still enjoyed the story today. Let's move into our subjective ratings. Crypto, what are you going to give this one? I'm going to give this one uh, an 8.5. This is like the real version of Groundhog's Day where Phil goes on this journey and doesn't have really any consequences and has to try to find and discover himself like the lawyer. Uh, it, it's not a perfect uh, analogy, but I, I really love this story. I think it's great. Uh, it's one to check out because there's so many things you can talk about besides just the death penalty and and uh, capital punishment you know, versus life imprisonment. That's there, and that's good, but it's very, very rich for such a short story and can say a lot about who you are. 
Yeah. And, and to that point, though, I would almost argue if you want to have more capital punishment and more fun, you could even just check out Two Deer by Leo Tolstoy. And he's got a ton of <laughs> other religious ones, too. Um, I was lower on the personal enjoyment, but agree the analytics is very high. I'll average the two together. My analytics is probably high like yours, like 8.5 or 9. And then my, my, my enjoyment is probably lower, like a 6 or something like that. So I'll average those two together. Um, but overall, I had a good time with the story. Yeah, you, you didn't think the montage was funny and the guy be like, no, I'll give you 15 years. I just, I, I chuckled a few times and I, I, I enjoyed it. So it's good. But that's a great score too. So Good, good. Well, all right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed the talk today. We post videos two to three times a week every Monday and Thursday with a bonus video on Tuesdays. If you were down for discussions like that, please consider hitting that subscribe button. Una out. Peace.